Welcome to the Sages Among Us. Nevada County has a legacy of rich resources, including farm and timberland, sparkling rivers of water and gold, abundant beauty and recreation, and perhaps what might be the greatest treasure in any area, the people who devote countless hours and immense energy toward making their community better for everyone. The Sages Among Us attempts to find out who these people are, why they generously provide so much service to the community, and how these efforts make a positive difference for all of us. I'm your host, Brian Buckley, and today we're going to get the personal story of a citizen leader who's deeply engaged in making our community a better place. On this solstice eve, we're in the first week of winter break for schools in Nevada County. However, just because students and teachers aren't in school, this doesn't mean that all school personnel are also taking a break. Some folks who work behind the scenes to make it all happen are using some of this uninterrupted time to get various tasks done. My guest tonight is one such individual, Andrew Withers is the superintendent of the Grass Valley School District. Andrew grew up in the Roseville area, and after earning his degree through California Lutheran University, began a teaching career in Loomis. He since held administrative positions in Placer, Marin, and Sacramento counties, and he began his duties as Grass Valley superintendent in 2020. Andrew, welcome to the Sages Among Us. Thanks for having me here, Brian. It's a pleasure. Well, it is a pleasure. And uh, let's since it's the start of the show, let's start at the beginning. Um, where you grew up in Roseville, tell us about what that was like for you. Gosh, uh, Roseville was a different place back then, uh, full of cows and open space. So uh, I grew up when uh, Douglas Boulevard was rural, and uh, you would count cows on the way to the, the freeway, and the freeway was much quieter back then. <laughs> Wonderful place to grow up. Uh, Folsom Lake was in my backyard. Spent a lot of time hiking and just being outside. All right, all right. Was there anything from your your childhood that, you know, you look back on and see was real foundational for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, as I, I think I explained to you earlier, I, I grew up in a, the family business of education. I uh, My father is a retired uh, school principal and teacher. My mom's a retired teacher. My wife's a teacher. My brother-in-law's <laughs> a teacher. My sister-in-law's a teacher. Uh, my mother-in-law is a retired librarian. Uh, my sister-in-law works with special needs kids uh, in a, another school district. And so um, I really didn't have much choice. I was uh, part of the family business. But when you talk about foundational memories, it was probably being at school uh, with my parents, um, watching them work and serve. And that just became what we did. Um, everything from working my summers at summer school, while usually my dad uh, was the principal of summer school most of the summers, um, or giving to families less fortunate and being a part of those efforts. Um, it really, you know, told me at a young age that uh, this was something I wanted to do with my life. It, it sounds like you might have been a fish out of water if you tried anything else. Yeah, you know, early on I thought uh, I was going to be a firefighter or a uh, an educator. And, uh, you know, education's been wonderful. Okay. Um, was there a watershed event that you can look back on, and in hindsight, you know, significantly affected the direction your your life has taken. You know, other than obviously growing up in a household and family of educators, probably a slew of uh, events. Um, I never knew I was going to want to work with st uh, students or children so young, and I was required in college to. Um, volunteer at a preschool as a part of my time and uh, to be involved in kind of that foundational uh, literacy and learning work. And uh, I would say that, but probably what um, what I can remember at 23 years old, I, uh, I was a, a kindergarten teacher at the time and I met the superintendent 
and uh, I got to be a part of a committee of teachers working with the superintendent to try to make the school district a better place. And it was after just a few of those meetings that I thought, that's the job I want. And I remember being, again, 23, uh, hadn't even finished my first year teaching, and I told my family I'm going to be an elementary-aged uh, superintendent someday. And uh, fortunately for me, I was able to do that just a few years ago. Yeah, Mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty awesome. You Well, it sounds like you probably have a good sideline as a fortune teller, too, if you ever <laughs> need to fall back on, on something. Um, what about, you, you mentioned one already, I think, but uh, mentors or people who are highly influential in you and in your development as a as a person and as a professional. Yeah, that that first superintendent, I had the pleasure of working with him, uh, you know, for several years, and he was the one that encouraged me after being a teacher and being on many uh, leadership committees within the district, running summer school as I had learned as a child. He said, "Okay, uh, we're ready for you to leave. You know, we don't hire uh, inexperienced people in this district, so why don't you go somewhere, become a vice principal, and we'll hire you back." And uh, so his name was Gig Powers. He's a retired superintendent and a wonderful mentor. And then uh, the superintendent that hired me when I was able to come back to that same district, uh, Gig had just retired. Uh, that was Paul Johnson. And uh, he's I've never worked for someone longer than Paul. Uh, he was the one I chased all the way down to Marin County at one point in my, my career. Uh, learned a lot from great leaders like them. Great, great. Well, actually, that, that leads right into my next question, which was, was there anything you learned in these prior positions that you take with you now in, in your current job? Well, I guess I'll be the first to say uh, I'm learning every day. And uh, education and society are uh, a dynamic organism. And so uh, there's never anyone in education uh, has to continue to learn. So, uh, yes, I have hopefully um, taken with me grateful experiences from the classroom, the site level, uh, even again, as I said, my level as a child. But part of what I would say a, a big a big uh, umbrella part of that is the respect for all positions within public education. Um, while we could never do it without teachers, we also could never do it without custodians and uh, classified managers and folks in the business office. I mean, I think... Um, Every part of what you do in a school district has a big impact on making sure you have the, the needs for students. Uh, again, the teachers are the ones on stage performing. That's where all the magic happens in a school district. But there's a lot of people that hopefully are doing great things to let that magic happen. Great, great. You know, one of the uh, adages in education is that we, we learn through our mistakes and, and failures and you know, do you have any stories you could share? Any anything <laughs> along the way that you realized? Oh my, I don't think I'm going to do that again. Uh, I, you didn't tell me we were going to get into this. This no, wasn't no, no, on no. My, my script of questions, Brian. Um, <laughs> we're ad living now. Oh, okay, that's good already. Uh, Twelve minutes into the show, and we're ad living. I love it. Um, gosh, I, I think um, the learn by doing philosophy is a great philosophy. Um, you know, that's how children and adults mm -hmm. get great at something. Uh, and so, yes, I've had many moments of failure. I can, I could, I could fill the entire show with that. Uh, I remember something, um, something I did as both a teacher and as an administrator, I remember quite well, uh, as I think it was my second year teaching, uh, 
my principal came in to observe me and I put on this big dog and pony show and I, this big elaborate lesson. And, uh, he was smart enough to pull me aside and said, Hey, I know that's not a lesson you teach every day. I'll come back tomorrow when you do a regular lesson. (laughs) And so from that, I've always tried to make teachers feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. um, that when, I'm in their classroom as a superintendent or or I was as a principal. I am just there to see the learning and please don't be nervous. Mm-hmm. And then something I try to train my principals on similarly is that's their job to make people feel comfortable and to be in their room so much that it's not a big deal when you walk through. Mm-hmm. And if, if you walk through enough um, and you're there every day, every week, you got to be in classrooms. So you, you do not lead from your office. Um that's where the magic happens. I think um, also from that, I learned the power of feedback. I remember uh, this was my first year as a vice principal, and this just amazing teacher, uh, fourth grade at the time, uh, had an observation lesson. And I went in, and I was just enamored with her instruction. She was a veteran. She did wonderful things on the campus for the students and the staff. And I basically gave her a bunch of just positive feedback. And I'll never forget, She, I was giving her evaluation and said, hey, you know, would you like to sign this? And she pushed the paper back at me. And she said, please come back to my room when you have enough respect to give me feedback. And I said, what, what do you mean? It was just this lesson was perfect. And again, accolades, accolades, accolades. She goes, no, it wasn't perfect. I could have done this, 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 this better. Come back wow. when you're ready to be honest. And so I usually tell my principals that story that great staff deserve feedback. Staff that are struggling deserve feedback. Everyone deserves feedback. That's how we get better. Mm-hmm. Great learning experience. Yeah. What a dynamic teacher. Yeah. Yeah. She was uh, teaching not only her students, she but was the rest teaching, of us. Too. She was teaching her vice principal. All right. Uh, and uh, it's something I've hopefully, uh, hopefully taken action on the rest of my career. Okay. Great story. You're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Brian Buckley, and we're talking today with Andrew Withers, superintendent of the Grass Valley School District. As always, you're invited to join in the conversation. If you have a question or comment for Andrew, please give us a call at KVMR. That's 530-265-9555. Our engineer, Ralph Henson, will take your call and relay your question to our guest. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back with more in just a few seconds. back to the Sages Among Us. I'm Brian Buckley, and we're talking tonight with Grass Valley School District Superintendent Andrew Withers. You know, while there's some constants, education is an ever-changing landscape, as, as you know, Andrew, and 
With new students and families every year and changing leadership and mandates from the top and an evolving social context uh, and expectation of schools, you knew that going in, but did you ever expect uh, years like the past few have been? Well, uh, Brian, I said early on, uh, hopefully no one will ever hear me complain about the pandemic. Uh, I, I applied and was uh, gratefully uh, accepted the position during the pandemic as the pandemic uh, was starting. And so um, I feel like I knew going in it was going to be different, and uh, it was. So, yeah, I think um, what surprised me is how quickly things have shifted. Um, I think if you were to, gosh, five years ago, say to someone, every teacher in the entire state of California or the country, or maybe the world even, is going um, gonna to learn a new program without any training, and they're going to teach via a computer. I mean, that person would have looked at you like you were crazy. And then teachers did it. Uh, and then families quickly realized a few weeks in, wow, it is hard to be a teacher, even to my own child, let alone, um, you know, the rigor of the classroom, the socialization of the classroom. Um, and then again, so society is, is, a, is a bit uh, perplexing at times. And then things changed and folks uh, wanted us back and we were suddenly the villains. So, um Yes, it has been an interesting couple years. I still, most of my best friends and most of my family members have something to do with education. And so I firmly believe educators are some of the best people in the world. Um, Their heart, their caring, their their work, uh, their service. And so we will always, as an educational team, have to continue to adapt um, and really get kids and families what they need. And, And right now, things are changing at a faster pace than ever before. Which actually uh, brings brings me to my next question. You've had to make some massive changes due to COVID, but I know um, many schools, including yours, have been working hard to return to a form of pre-COVID normalcy. What does that look like in, in Grass Valley School District? Um, well, I think the um, returning to a pre-COVID normalcy is returning to that authentic human connection. That, that power of being together, that appreciation of some of the hard days of being together are better than the, the days when, when we had to be on a computer screen. You know, even you and I sitting across the studio, while I'm sure I could be at home and logged in on some way, we wouldn't have as great of a connection just having this work together. And so mm-hmm. that power of the human spirit, uh, that power of learning. And so from whether it's field trips hands-on experiments, group projects, showing empathy, working through problems, all of those things um, are getting back to normal, and it's exciting. Sing-alongs, playing on the playground, breakfast and lunch together. um, It's been great. It's been wonderful. I think uh, the first graduation ceremony, seeing the Gosh, seeing the the Gilmore Bomber uh, uh, band coming down coming down the road, um, it's been it's been pretty amazing. I think people have uh, maybe appreciated a little bit more the things that they just took for granted in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't necessarily appreciate the water till the well, well runs dry. Huh? Yeah, that is true, sir. Okay, um, you know, you, you mentioned a few of the things that you know you're really happy to see coming back. What to you are you know, some bright spots in Grass Valley School District these days? 
Well, I do feel like uh, we continue to reinvent ourselves. We continue to come together. Um, I think the Grass Valley School District was an amazing district when I got there, and it's an, hopefully what folks think an amazing school district now. So I think um, we've used this opportunity to add, um, again, folks don't like this kind of talk, but assessments that give us a, a snapshot of where kids are at so that we can make sure we're getting the right supports to the right places, whether that's academic support or uh, social-emotional support counseling um, or other services. And so I think um, from the pandemic, we've gotten a lot more um, prescriptive or, or fine-tuned with that work. Um, the analogy I often use is, um, you know, the state is never going to save us. If we're waiting for the state to save us, we're just going to wait forever. And so it's all about that local team coming together uh, and, and having their, their common look-fors, their common formatives, their what are we working on here at this grade, this school, this class, this unit, whatever it might be, and really digging into that work. Um, as professionals do. You know, when mm -hmm. you show up at the ER, they don't take your temperature if your, um, you know, your arm is about to fall off, right? Um, they are going to get you a different level of care. Uh, and so we need to be more um, assessment and prescriptive in public education, much like that, where we have experts and tools we can provide. And so I think we've made a lot of progress over the last few years in that mm -hmm. area, and we still have lots of progress still to go. All right, all right. Thanks for sharing that. We do have a uh, caller from Davis who called in, and he wanted to know if the school district in Grass Valley exposes students to, uh, you know, important work of past presidents, say like uh, FDR and JFK. And is is that something that's, uh, you know, more at the elementary level these days, or more at the high school level? What? Yeah, so um, there's definitely lots of lots of look in education as to what the curriculum uncovers. Um, but I would say, as far as U.S. history, that really is hit um, at many levels. It starts in fifth grade with mm -hmm. some government and having kids learn about the structures of government, and then cycles on through in the middle school years. And it's absolutely, you know, my daughter right now, as a senior in uh, high school, is uh, taking a two-part government course. Mm -hmm. And so I would say yes, certainly, uh, whether it's our founding presidents or other amazing leaders having folks learn from the past and learn from experts mm. uh, you know a, a intelligent society uh, studies the past in an effort to not repeat it right right thanks for sharing that answer and thank you caller for for that question um, you know you have now spent uh, a couple of years in Grass Valley. In fact, uh, you mentioned that you know when you were hired when you first came. So I was also curious as to what brought you to Nevada County. Had tell us the story of how you you came here. Well, uh, as I again, it's this out sounding dorky, other than the fact that it's totally true. At uh, 23 years old, I knew I wanted to be a K-8 rural superintendent. Uh, and so I live uh, just outside of Nevada County in Placer County, uh, just just outside of Auburn in the town of Newcastle. And uh, I was driving to Sacramento, and uh, Sacramento doesn't have many rural K-8 school districts. And so while I learned a ton being in that large urban system, uh, as well as other systems, um, I was looking for a position like this. And when I applied, I... Lucky for me, uh, made it through the process. And so it's really a dream come true. It's a job that I hope to have for a long time. It's a job that is much more to me than just a job. It's, a, it's something that, um, you know, is really my life. 
Great, great. Well, actually, you're doing a wonderful job of leading me right into the next question that I, that I had prepared. Yeah. Um, so uh, what on a personal or professional level are you dreaming about now, and what do you hope to accomplish in the coming months coming years yeah so uh, it is hard so i often say we develop human beings uh and that is in partnership with their family and so there's no assembly line that you can go to and say tighten this nut work on this bolt add some more of this in that spot um but what do we have to measure we have to measure attendance we know that kids that don't come to school miss out on the magic in the classroom Uh, we have to measure discipline making sure that kids are able to um, follow adult direction and that adults are doing engaging activities with them that allow them to be a part of the learning process. Uh, And then we have to measure assessments. Uh, Again, the state system is never going to save us, and so I'm never going to get the results from a a state assessment in uh, December. Um, Like they just opened the California dashboard this last week, and that's super exciting. That's some sarcasm there, listeners, because (laughs) that test was taken last May. And so I'm sorry if I have to wait till December to find out how I did on the test last May, I've lost a lot of interest. And so we have to have staff created units of study uh, communicated to the students. You're going to see an article in the, the local paper, I think tomorrow, all about the work happening at one of our schools, Grass Valley Charter School, where students uh, lead student-led conferences. Uh, and again, we need students having ownership of their learning and being a part of their learning. And they can't do that if their families don't know what they're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't mind me telling you a simple story that really maybe elicits this point, um, my kids were swimmers growing up, and they, they were part of the Loomis Basin Dolphins rec swim team. Um, one year we had a, a good coach. Uh, coach was great. Everybody loved the coach, and the team was mediocre. And the next year we got a new coach. The practices didn't get longer. The kids didn't change. The only thing that changed was that that coach said to every student, what do you want to work on this year? The student, the, the swimmer, made a goal. I want to work on backstroke. I want to work on freestyle. I want to, I want to work on whatever I want to work on, right? I want to make meat of champs, whatever it might be. And then they measured that progress and they reported that progress. And that exact same group of kids now, many years later with this new coach being stuck, staying with us, were a dynamic team that's one of the top teams in that league. And so what's the key difference? Students are a part of that. The families are a part of that goal-setting process, so we can be a team. Excellent story. And we do have a caller. And uh, caller, you are on the air. And uh, do you have a question or comment for... I, I, Hello. Uh, yes, I do. Thank you. Hi, this is Charles. Um, I'd like to ask about um, being rested and interested and changing like the the teacher's instructive mode from like more about behavior management to more encouraging the students to kind of bloom from whatever they came with naturally like to the planet earth with yeah so um we are our biggest priority this school year has been looking at that classroom environment there is a uh, an organization I've worked with in the past called Safe and Civil Schools, and it's all about helping us as educators have rich and engaging classrooms where how we learn and how we operate is very clear to the student. 
And so if we have that exciting student, as you said, who's come to the classroom with a rich bit of knowledge and they're um, feeling like they have to conform to sit in that desk too long, well, then we just, you know, um, didn't meet their needs. If we also have a classroom that's uh, too, too loud for some students, then they're not going to have their needs met. So it's it's finding and creating that right classroom environment uh, where students can get what they need and teachers can provide those opportunities for learning. Uh, as you might have heard from me earlier tonight, I really believe in that learn by doing philosophy. No one gets great at doing something the first time. It's trial and error. It's failure and making adjustments and continuing on. So it sounds like there's an awful lot of effort and attention these days into engaging the students as a form of classroom management, I suppose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think the student... um the student learner has changed. There's more information today at our fingertips than we had. So sticking with rote memorization of some items versus really discussing the maybe the issue at hand or different perspectives allows for learning. I'll also say that there's tons of evidence that learning is, is talking is learning and learning is talking. And so in a classroom, you want to measure the talk time. How often are those students able to connect with their peers or with their teacher? And if it's only one way, then it's 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 um got to got to be adjusted. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, brings up a another question. Um, you have had a lot of experience in other communities, and you've had a couple of years uh, working here in Grass Valley. Now, um, what do you find unique about your current community? It is very personal. Uh, you have students, staff, families, grandparents, community members who are proud to say what generation Nevada County they are. I've never been in a place like that in my life. Um, you know, you and I talked uh, early this evening about different um, different days gone by in the past when maybe we were larger with as a as a number of students in schools mm-hmm. uh, and the changing demographic. I think it's just, it's an idyllic, wonderful place to be. I can see why maybe so many retirees come here. But I think what's different is that sense of connection, that deep-rooted sense of uh, how amazing this county is. And from having worked in a few other counties, as you said, I would, I would agree. It's a pretty darn amazing place. Um, it's beautiful. And uh, yeah, it's personal. Great. Um, you know, taking advantage of uh, some of that experience you have that's wide-ranging, um, you've got a lot of experience and knowledge from a different number of, of, of roles and perspectives on public education. So let's take a second, go up on the balcony, so to speak, and look down at the institution of public education. What do you think the role and function of public education is in our society since it was invented actually in this this country and has it changed in in any ways over the last few years other than covid as we discussed <laughs> uh so public education is the the root solution to uh a intelligent an intelligent society and so if only those with means are able to access true learning then we have a problem uh, with our world. And so public education needs to be a, a service equalizer, of opportunity provider. Um, I'm a firm believer that 
there's many routes to being a successful human. Uh, you can't simply measure it with one way. Whether someone is wants to be successful in the trades or successful in leadership or successful in uh, any number of parts of society, um, they have to be a thinker. They have to be a critical thinker. And so I do think the role of public education is to serve the public good and to uh, engage and educate the next generation to um, – to be ready for jobs that haven't even been invented yet. Do you see any major changes coming in the next uh, next few years? We don't have a, a lot of time, but we got about 30 more seconds. Oh, you got 30 more seconds of airtime. That sounds awesome. Um, Brian, I think it is society is going to continue to change at a rapid pace because of technology and access to information. So, yes, public education will continue to change and adapt along with society. Great, great. Well, Andrew Withers, thank you so much for being my guest tonight and, uh, you know, taking more time, making it a, a, a long day at the office and elsewhere for you. Um, I uh, really appreciate that that commitment to get the word out about public education in the Grass Valley School District. You bet, listeners. I hope uh, you, you stayed awake and uh, would love to have you come by the Grass Valley School District anytime if you have questions. We are a wonderful preschool to eighth grade program and we have openings in our program specifically as we continue to roll out preschool and transitional kindergarten we'd love to see your young ones great thank you so much and that's a wrap for tonight